Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and today I got Michael W. Smith. No, not the singer, but Michael W. Smith from HardcoreChristianity.com. Michael, welcome to the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. You have a interesting niche within the Christian space, I would say. How would you describe what it is you do? My main uh, function is uh, helping troubled Christians or mentally ill Christians uh, be cured. I kind of... Uh, gravitated into it naturally in that before I was serving the Lord, I was a, a secular counselor in the Phoenix, Arizona metropolitan area. I'd been a secular counselor for 25 years, and I had my own counseling center. After I turned my life over to the Lord, my, my youngest daughter led me to the Lord, uh, Tracy. Uh, I uh, transitioned out of secular counseling into Christian counseling. Well, let's, let's, back, let's back up. How did you come to know the Lord? What led you to the Lord? My, my daughter had been killed in a car wreck. Uh, she was uh, 16 years old at the time, and she uh, was brain dead at a local hospital here in Phoenix. Uh, it's a long story, but a series of miracles happened, and uh, she came out of her brain dead coma. And then after she uh, revived, uh, she led me to the Lord. Yeah, I could see why that would get your attention. You said you, you help Christians that are mentally ill. I mean, mental illness is not something within the church that is talked about much, if at all. True. Uh, the problem being no one really understands it, including the secular counseling and psychiatry and psychology communities. Uh, I had uh, been a counselor for 25 years, but I had never cured anyone. Uh, I was kind of doing like patchwork and then... Uh, I was doing the uh, the counseling portion of the of the therapy, and then of course they also had psychiatrists, where they were on uh, a, ver- a variety of psychotropic medications, and so the combination of those two things in the secular psychology uh, community just really allows you to patch them or try to get them functional with their activities of daily living. But after I became a Christian counselor, I went to the Lord and I asked Him. If he wanted me to continue counseling in the Christian arena, the answer was affirmative. And then I said I didn't want to do it unless I could see them cured. And so the Holy Spirit took me through a series of uh, retraining programs where I had to be transitioned out of secular psychology into the moving of the Spirit. Let's back up. I mean, because that's a pretty high claim to sit there and be able to say that you can actually cure someone. Why can't the Holy Ghost the one that does it? But, uh, I had never cured anybody as a secular counselor, but I did help a lot of people, and I did make a lot of money. I was a, a millionaire at the time I retired. I'm not anymore, but at that time, I you know, obviously had a wonderful living and had a very successful career. Secular-wise, I was considered you know, a very successful person living the American dream, but when I had become a spirit-filled Christian, I saw the flaws in the system, and I knew that uh, psychology and psychiatry was not an exact science and that it, that it needed to be fixed and there wasn't any way to fix it because in that field, they don't consider the spirit world. And without considering the spirit world and its ramifications on sinners and Christians, there isn't any way to be cured of mental illnesses. So are you saying that, that all mental illnesses can be attributed to the spirit world? 
No. Uh, for example, a couple quick examples. And if you take a, a, for somebody who has severe bipolar or schizophrenia, those are always 100% under every circumstance related to the spirit world and the demonic. But other mental illnesses are not related to the spirit world. For example, if you had a, someone that you loved and cared for deeply and they were unexpectedly killed or died, uh, it's perfectly normal for a person to go through a period of depression and mourning, and that would not be something that would be considered demonic. In fact, it would be a normal human event. If you're confronted with a very stressful situation, uh, a sudden business collapse, a, a sudden injury, a trauma, or something like that, it's perfectly normal to have a period of anxiety or depression or fear. That's not a, a demonic situation. That's a perfectly normal human response. And the person is a regular human being. There's nothing wrong with that. But the key to it is, for example, with depression, if you have depression and it doesn't stop, for example, in the secular world, dysthymia is a low-grade depression that has existed for two years or more. Those are related to the spirit world and those are demonic. So unless you know the difference between a, an illness that is related to the spirit world and one that's not, you're not going to be able to see anybody cured. How do you know if you're under, um, like, take this, this, how do you, how do you say that again? Uh, dysthymia? Yeah, that's long-term, low-grade depression, and they diagnose it after two years. What are some of the symptoms? Oh, there, there's all kinds of symptoms. A psychologist uh, looks at eating patterns, sleeping patterns, uh, emotional patterns, changes in, a, in the emotional lability. Uh, all kinds of different things that suddenly become uh, negative on a long-term basis and don't recover. And those situations are uh, usually related to the, the spirit world. In what way? The spirits are exacerbating the condition and making it worse and contributing to it. And that's why the person can't be cured or does not resolve. So you're saying by spirits, you're saying demons, correct? Okay, so so then basically what you're saying, if, if, I, if I'm listening to you right, there are certain situations where it is normal, but there are certain situations where, quote, mental illness is demonic or of the devil. Oh, 100%. For example, the same thing is true of physical conditions. Uh, let's take, for example, physical illnesses. Sometimes the physical illnesses are related to medical conditions or trauma, and other times the medical il illnesses are related to the demonic. Explain. Well, uh, for example, in Jesus's ministry, one third of all of his healings were related to the demonic and the spirit world. Two thirds of them were related to medical conditions. Uh, for example, in Mark chapter five, the gentleman in that verse was related to the spirit world and the demonic. And he was uh, what we call here in Arizona an SMI, a severely mentally ill. He was homeless. Uh, he was being tortured. He had severe clinical depression, and uh, he was, to use a slang term, out of his mind. Well, in that case, in Mark chapter 5, it was uh, clearly related to the demonic. But, for example, in Matthew chapter 8, uh, there was a woman there who had a cervix cancer and uh, uterine blood flowing out of her uh, organs, and there's no mention at all of the spirit world or demons there. It was an issue of, of a sickness, and Jesus gave her a healing. So in some cases, Jesus healed through deliverance, 
And in other cases, he healed through healing. And the key to it all is, of course, discerning of spirits. You have to have discernment to determine which is a demonic illness and which is a physical illness. For example, if you slip and fall down and hit your head, that's, that's probably not related to the demonic. You're just clumsy. Okay, so there's different kinds of illnesses physically, and there's different kinds of illnesses mentally. Okay, so let's 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 step into the uh, mucky and mire and all that fun stuff. You made a statement that I want to kind of return back to. You said that bipolar or schizophrenia is in all cases demonic. That's a pretty high claim. Can you back that up? I can from my own personal experience uh, and from the symptomatology of the patient. Let's take schizophrenia, for example. They estimate that approximately 8% of the population has a severe mental illness, schizophrenia being one of them. Obviously, mental illnesses are like physical illnesses. Some of them are much worse than others. So when you're talking about borderline personality disorder, schizophrenia, uh, severe bipolar, uh, those kinds of illnesses, dissociative identity disorder, uh, those kind of illnesses are severe mental illnesses, and they're always related to the demonic. The way you can find out if, if a physical or mental illness is demonic, you, you, you can track it pretty easily by following two things, the symptomatology of the illness. For example, patients come in with schizophrenia, and they hear voices in their head that are not theirs. And these voices have separate personalities, same way with borderline personality disorder or dissociative. They have separate personalities from the person themselves. And in most cases, these personalities have demonic features, cursing, swearing, antichrist, anti-God, uh, vicious, nasty commentary regarding the person's personality, uh, who they are as a person, their own personal identity. And if the mental illness has a behavior trait similar to Satan, you can be sure that there are spirits involved. Okay. So then what about bipolar? Same thing. If you, you follow the symptomatology of the patient, okay, so um, you have the extreme lows of depression and suicidal thoughts pouring through the patient's mind. Okay, that's obviously the devil. Then you have a period of ex an extreme high where you see the person go through heavy cursing and swearing and anger and rage sessions. Okay, once again, clearly satanic. The way you can track it is pretty easy. If the person is having a thought in their mind that they do not want to have, and the thought is not from them, then there's only two other sources for that thought. The thought is either coming from a spirit or it's coming from the Holy Spirit. If the thought is negative, it cannot be coming from God. God doesn't use negative thoughts to help people. So there's only one source left for that thought. If it's not your thought, it's not God's thought, then the third source is your trouble. I'm hearing this and I'm thinking, man, my mind feels like it's been a war zone the past year two years or or longer i sometimes have to battle thoughts often you know maybe someone's hearing that and they're going okay i'm not in a good place how do you get out of it yeah well you just mentioned something very important there are two ways to be in a bad place like you just said 
spirit beings are capable of putting thoughts in people's minds. Also, God is also able to do that. God can put a thought in a human being's mind, the Holy Ghost. And another person can put a thought in your mind. And uh, the Holy Spirit can put a thought in your mind coming from inside the person or coming from outside the person. For example, if it's a sinner, the thought is coming from the outside of the person. If you're a born-again Christian, the thought coming from God is coming from your spirit man, and it comes up and enters your mind. If, on the other hand, you're not a sinner or you're, or you're a Christian who's infected with spirits, that spirit could be coming from inside your brain into your mind, or it could be coming from outside your body into your mind. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. By, by saying inside your brain, I mean, because I, I, the church has always said, as a Christian, you cannot be possessed. If no, you, you have, can't. Okay. That's correct. So, so let, let's clarify that, please, because my, I can guarantee you my audience is going to go, what? Okay. Uh, the Greek word for possessed, and it's, it's found in the King James Bible, is daimonizomai. And it means to be under the control of a spirit to a certain level or degree. There's two types of demonic activity. One is where the spirit is inside the person's body. The other one is when the spirit attacks a person from outside their body. That's called oppression. Oppression comes from outside the body. In case of a sinner, God's thoughts may come into their mind from outside the person. However, if the person has a spirit in their brain, that doesn't mean they're possessed. Possession is when a person is completely under the control of demons. There are very, very few people who are possessed, even as sinners. There's none possessed as a Christian because the, the demons can't get into the spirit man where the Holy Spirit lives, so they can't possess a Christian, but they can be infected with spirits. For example, a Christian can have a spirit of cancer in their body causing an illness. They can have a seducing spirit in their brain causing a mental illness, but they cannot be possessed. Because a lot of people say, you know, you, you don't want to label every, but, but because I've heard a lot of Christians that say, well, you don't want to label every disease a spirit. No, you, you don't. You don't. As I just mentioned, uh, every disease, some of them are medical conditions. For example, if you worked in a mine for 25 years, you're going to come down with lung cancer and asbestosis. That's not demonic. You have a medical condition where you are breathing in toxins over a long period of time, all right? But in Mark chapter 5 and in Mark chapter 7 and Mark chapter 9, those illnesses were 100% demonic, caused by demons. So you have to have discernment to know the difference between a mental and physical illness caused by spirits and one caused by medical conditions. How do you get out of that war zone? Because I, I don't know about you, but I mean, there were, there were sometimes you're like, really? Go away. Well, here's the go away doesn't work. Uh, and, and if you want to ask any mentally ill person, they'll just tell you that's not going to work. There is no way that's working. Now, here's how it works. If the spirit is inside your brain, they got in to your body through an open door. That open door is something you're going to have to discover as a minister of the gospel. It could have been a generational sin or curse. It could have been a witchcraft curse or spell. It could have been personal sin that let the spirit into the person's brain. Same thing is true of spirits that cause physical illnesses. They can enter the body through open doors, depending on what the door is. 
and what the person is doing and what the personal person's personal beliefs are. Now, if a Christian has a demon, they can't be possessed. I call it an infection, very much like the flu. When you have the flu, you are not the flu. You have the flu. And when the flu is gone, you don't have the flu anymore. And so, and so in Christianity, if you're infected with a spirit causing, let's say, cancer, causing bipolar, once that spirit is removed, and that's my job as a counselor, and that's what I focus on, getting the spirit removed, then the person is no longer ill. And the only way to overcome demonic oppression from the outside or infection from the inside is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that's the Greek word sarx, it means fleshly, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, akurama is the Greek word for strongholds there, and it, it means a military fortress. And what Paul was telling us here is that demons build up a fortress of lies and fabrications in the person's mind. Negative thoughts, false beliefs, stupid thoughts, thousands of thoughts in some cases. That stronghold in the person's mind wrecks their Christian life. They serve God for a while, and then they don't. And then they're up, and then they're down. It's, I call it yo-yo Christianity. The only possible way to fix that problem is, A, if it's oppression from the outside, the person must renew their minds on the Word of God and develop the mind of Christ. If the demon is in the brain causing these, these strongholds and loading it up with negative thoughts and false beliefs, the person has to repent of these things. And as it says in the verse, verse 5, they must pull down the strongholds and they must cast down the imaginations in the mind. And every high thing or, or thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and they must bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So if you have a negative thought in your mind, that either came from a spirit or it came from you, okay? So let's say it's a fear thought. Anxiety disorders are running rampant in the United States right now, and they're accelerating at a dramatic pace. Anxiety disorders are booming business for the devil. People are scared all over the place now. These thoughts, fear thoughts, do not come from God because God would never put a fear thought in your mind. He's the God of peace and love, not the God of fear. The thought, therefore, then had to come from the person or a spirit. If the thought is a thought the person does not want, for example, you have a thought in your mind, I think my mother's going to get killed in a car wreck today. Oh, no, wait a minute. What am I? No, I don't want. If that thought is a thought the person does not want, then it had to come from a spirit. In that, in that scripture where it talks about pulling down the stronghold, it's one thing to read that. And, and I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, sometimes I read that and I go, interesting idea. I want to do that. But how do you put shoe leather to it? How do you go about doing it? Well, the, the Greek word there for pulling down in that verse, and it's the same. I'm reading out of the King James Bible. Uh, that's the verse I quoted. It's King James. Casting down and pulling down. It's the same Greek word. Catharsis. It means to demolish. And then it says you must do that by taking captive every thought. So what I have to do as a counselor is I pick out the worst thought, for example, the person is having, the worst negative thought they have. Uh, I'm, I, I, get a frequently, I frequently get this in my counseling practice. 
I, 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 I blaspheme the Holy Spirit. That's a common thought the devil puts in people's minds. Uh, I blasphemed. I'm lost. The second one is, I'm not saved anymore. Am I saved? I don't know. I just did something and said something. I must not be saved. Those thoughts are all lies. I have never, of the hundreds of people that have told me that, never had anybody blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Uh, the vast majority of them, 99%, didn't even know what it was. You have to cast that thought down. You have to repent of receiving it and believing it, and you must replace it with truth. You have to kill the thought. Uh, for example, patients that have severe mental illnesses, schizophrenia, borderline personality disorder, they have vicious thoughts come into their minds. Not thoughts like you have, far from it. They have thoughts you can't believe. They have thoughts that come in their mind and says, you know what? You know what? Jesus wants you to give him oral sex. You know what you need to do? You need to kill your mother. Hey, why don't you rape that third grader over there? She'd love it. These thoughts, superpowered thoughts, thoughts on steroids, enter the mentally ill person's mind, and they are gross to them. They don't like them, and they don't want them. Well, then the devil puts another thought in their mind. The demon says to the person, well, you better repent of having that thought. As soon as a person repents of having a thought that's not theirs, they are now in permanent bondage. They will never be healed. For example, if I said to you, you're the worst radio host I've ever heard. You suck. You've got two choices right now. Okay? You can say to yourself, wait a minute, is that my thought? No, he said that. I didn't. Is that thought true? It is not true. So then you choose to blow the thought off. You know I was only using it as an example. You know I don't think that way. I just said it because I'm on your podcast. So you took the thought captive by blowing it off and not receiving it. And therefore, you had no anxiety, depression, rejection, nothing. You were fine. Well, a patient who's a Christian who's mentally ill cannot do that. They don't do that. They blame themselves for somebody else's thought. Now, when I said that to you, you did not have this thought come in your mind. Why well, need to ask for forgiveness for that? Well, that's stupid. You don't ask for forgiveness for something else someone else does or says. Well, the exact same thing is true with patients that have mental illness. Christians receive false condemnation over the thoughts that spirits put in their mind. And once I break that cycle and get them to see the truth, because Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, the person is now on the road to complete deliverance and recovery. Let's say someone hears that and they go, oh man, I've been, I've been, my thoughts have been, have been, you know, okay, I've been receiving thoughts that are definitely not my own and I want out. Yes, that is a thought coming from a spirit. Now, if you're receiving thoughts like, you know, the Lord loves you and this is a tough spot you're in, but this is only temporary and the Lord's going to come through for you. That's not a thought you're ever going to get from a spirit. That's a thought coming from the Holy Spirit. Now, the person, because every person has free will, has a choice to receive that thought from the Lord and do it or reject it and go back to listening to demons. If they do the latter, they can never be healed. When you are counseling people, um, have you actually seen like people that have? Dozens. Seen them healed for years. And then seen same the the head, tail side of the coin is also true. Seen dozens of them not healed. The person listens and obeys, or they don't listen and they die. 
And that's how the system in Christianity works. If you're a born-again Christian and you don't listen to truth, you get to die. Now, you die and go to heaven, thankfully, but you're still going to die. Well, how, how, do you, how do you figure that? I mean, that's a pretty hard... No, it's not hard at all. It's a 100% the way God works. Here's how it works. You obey the Word of God and you reap the benefits. You disobey the Word of God and you reap hell. Because the law of the spirit world is as clear as the nose on my face. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. That's true of sinners, and it's true of saints. If you take a sinner and you take a spirit-filled Christian, you put a bottle of Jack Daniels in front of them, they drink the whole bottle, two a day, both are going to die of chronic liver disease and alcoholism. Doesn't matter whether you have the Holy Spirit or not, whatever a man or woman sows, that's what they will also reap. If you have thoughts in your mind that are demonic or sinful, and you keep those thoughts, the soul that sinneth that shall die. If you take those thoughts captive and you cast down those imaginations and high things and strongholds, you live and you get healed. It's all based on your free will. My job is God's word. God's people perish for lack of knowledge. My job is to help the born-again Christians receive truth because Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And that's how you get free, listening to truth, not lies. I know that there's an area that I'm working on. And I know that there's an area that I'm like, man, I just cannot get victory in this. You're, you're, uh, you're in the majority. 90, 98% of Christians are in your boat. Nothing new at all. Number one, you have to recognize you have a problem. If the person doesn't see it as a problem, they cannot be cured. So if you see your issue as something that needs to be fixed, that is wonderful news, great news, and, and good for you. Praise God. You now know something needs to be fixed because the Holy Spirit has convicted your conscience and told you, hey, what you're saying or doing needs to be removed from your life or what you're, what you're not saying and not doing as a sin of omission needs to be added to your life. All right, then the person then has to recognize what the source of the problem is. You have to get to the root of it. And here's where most Christians fail, that the devil is smarter than we are. Demons are smarter than humans because they see everything and we don't. They're called seducing spirits, 1 Timothy 4.1. And these spirits trick the person into false beliefs, lies, and fabrications in, their, in the strongholds in their minds. And those things keep the person from getting better and overcoming a long-term chronic problem. If the problem is chronic and long-term, every Christian has what I just said deception in their mind, lies and fabrications that keep them from seeing what the problem is. I had walked away from God for five years and I came back. But during my time of walking away from God, I got very, and I do mean very heavily addicted to uh, text-based gaming. And it pretty much nearly wrecked a lot of things. And, you know, I came back to God. I repented of doing that. But then through the process of my coming back, the Lord over the past year has been going, you know, there are areas in, in your in your in your life and in your past that we need to deal with. And, you know, I'm in the process of doing that. But let's say someone says, you know, okay, I see the root of the problem, you know, whatever that root is. And they're still struggling to get victory in that, even though they see the root of the problem, even though they want out. 
Oh, yeah, that happens all the time. Welcome to 90% of all born-again Christians. You just described them all. They're, they're all like what you did is very common, very common, run-of-the-mill. Two things going here, several things. Spirits are not like born-again Christians in that they work together, and they work, they work in teams. Christians don't work in teams. They're usually ignorant, and they don't work as a unified group. We call them denominations. And so demons have the advantage in almost every way over a born-again Christian. They're outsmarting them. They see things the Christian doesn't see. And the Christians won't fight in a unified front. Wait a minute. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Yeah, but that's not going to do you any good unless you use the gifts and the anointing that the Holy Spirit has given you. It doesn't do you any good. For example, when you backslid, you had the Holy Spirit. Well, you weren't using him because you backslid. I actually was furious at him. Yeah, there you go. See, well, that'll, that, that'll, what the Bible calls, grieve the spirit and quench the spirit, which is what you did. And that left you open to multiple demonic attacks into your mind and into your body. You developed obsessive compulsive thoughts. You developed cravings and you, you developed demonic coping mechanisms. So that's, that's, that's not you. That's every Christian who has an addiction. They're all the same. They all develop demonic, repetitive, negative thought patterns. They all develop cravings for things that make them, quote, feel better. And that's how an addiction works. The demons use the addiction to let the person feel better, which gives them a temporary period of relief, but allows the spirits to get a stronger grip on the person as their addiction worsens over time. So, and if the person kind of says, you know what, I don't want this addiction anymore, I'm done, and they actually walk away, then the problem becomes, well, geez, I've got all these images from whatever it is. And like in my case, like I said, it was like uh, a text-based gaming where I played just absolute demonic garbage. And I can say that right. I can say that today. I, it was, I know it was demonic, uh, and it was, it, it was bad. I know that. And now there were times where I get these images from the games that I used to play, and I'm like, I don't think so. Go away. I, 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 am, I do not want this. Oh, excellent. This, uh, thanks for sharing that. This is a beautiful example and very helpful. When you backslide and go into an addiction, you can stop the behavior, but you can never walk away until the spirits are removed. The spirits are the ones giving you those unwanted images in your mind, and they got in through your previous sin. Even, even though I repented of the sin? Yeah, even though you stopped the behavior, the spirit is still in the body. Let me give you another example. Unclean spirits are the root cause of addictions. So let's take an alcoholic, for example. Treated many of them over the years. The spirit enters the body and gives the person a craving for alcohol. The person doesn't want it, but they use it to, as a coping mechanism for deep soul wounds, emotional wounds, pain in the soul. Your soul is where your emotions come out of. So the unclean spirit attacks the person with misery and agony, and then encourages the person to help themselves by getting drunk. Well, when a person hits a bottom and they decide they want help, and they want to change, and they stop the behavior, the spirits don't automatically leave. They just switch to something else. So you'll have an alcoholic who doesn't drink anymore, but now they're smoking like it's chimney and drinking coffee like it's going out of style. 
the demons simply switch to another obsession if you block the one they were causing before. So people pick up spirits and they're not doing the behavior anymore, but their dream life is still bad. Their sleep patterns are still disrupted. They still have the temper issues and the triggers that cause the temper to flare, even though they're not engaging in the same old sinful behavior. See, the Holy Spirit helped the person overcome the behavior so they're not drinking, smoking, sexing, gambling, drugging. But the demons don't leave because you quit doing something. They just switch to another obsession. So how do you tell the how do you, how do you serve an eviction? How do you tell these guys to get going? Well, now you're talking about the essence of the deliverance, and the first phase of it is knowledge. God's people perish for lack of knowledge. So the information I'm giving you and your listeners today is the first stage in their hope of being cured. You have to understand what's going on in order to fight it, because people can't fight something they don't get. The devil thrives in confusion. But people do not. Humans can't stand confusion. We are uh, creatures created for order. Human beings like things done decently in an order. Very similar to our God. Yes. They don't like confusion. That bothers everybody. It actually is an asset to the devil. He loves confusion and thrives in it. So I have to get the person through phase one, which is the knowledge phase, And I have to get them to see the root cause of the mental illness, the physical illness, or the addiction. For example, in medical science, we know through uh, objective research that a person's body can get sick because of their mind. They've researched researched it for decades. It's a known fact. Your mind, your mind can affect your health. Absolute fact. Everybody knows that. Christian, sinner, scientists. Uh, ignorant person, doesn't matter. Your mind and how you use your mind and your attitude combined with the emotions in your soul can negatively or positively affect your body. Everybody knows that as a fact. It's been researched, correct? I mean, how you think and what you think and your attitude without question affects your mind. And in medical field, they call it hypochondriasis. So the, do- the doctor looks at you and goes, oh, God, this person's out of their mind. Uh, we got to give them a diagnosis. We're charging them for something. Let's either make up a diagnosis or uh, get pacify them in some way. So they make up an illness is what a doctor does. For example, fibromyalgia. They just make it up. So that sounds good. We don't know what's wrong with your joints. You've got fibromyalgia. Here, take these pills. Well, I've had dozens of cases of fibromyalgia healed, healed and in every single case, it was related to it an unclean spirit in the body, every single case. Almost all arthritis cases are related to wounds in the soul and spirits in the body. For example, Luke chapter 13, the woman is standing there in the synagogue and Jesus looks up while he's teaching. And this woman has severe kyphosis or scoliosis. She's so bent over, she can't even stand up. But she was fine 18 years ago, the Bible says. She had only had severe arthritic rheumatoid arthritis or whatever it was. For 18 years, it says. So what happened there was a spirit of infirmity entered the woman's body on day one. 18 years later, she runs into Jesus in the synagogue. Well, Jesus said the woman had a, quote, spirit of infirmity, unquote. Instead of praying for her healing, he removes the spirit of infirmity. And the Bible says the woman stood up right in front of everybody, which is medically impossible for kyphosis, scoliosis, or 
rheumatoid arthritis. So Jesus said, the root of the problem is not a medical condition. You don't need medicine or physical therapy. You need the spirit removed and you will be well. You explain to the person what's going on. They they cling, they clue in, they go, okay, yeah, I want this thing gone. I don't want to be messing with this, this stupid punk anymore. What is the next step? Okay, the next step is I tell them, now listen, they're not stupid and they're not punks. You're the punk. <laughs> you're okay. the stoop and you're the punk. And then they agree with me. Thank you. Let's move on. Now, those spirits got in your body for a reason. Now, let's find out what it was. What were you doing 10 years ago? What were you thinking 10 years ago? What was your behavior? Were you sinning? Did somebody put a curse on you? So you run a check on the person to find out how these spirits entered their body. Then you go to the next phase, which is the repentance phase. For example, most medical illnesses are either caused by or exacerbated by two things, unforgiveness, A, and B, ought. Uh, If you've ever heard of an autoimmune disease, 100% of autoimmune diseases are caused by wounds on the soul, usually childhood trauma, and spirits that entered the body and turned the body against the person. In almost every case I've had, there's been a spirit of rejection, low self-esteem, self-hatred, self-disgust when they were younger or currently. And what happens in an autoimmune disease is the body senses and hears you say negative things about it constantly. And over a period of years, the body finally says, okay, I agree with you. Let's go ahead and die. And the body then turns on itself. So these two cancers of unforgiveness and ought, which the Christian church does not teach, they usually teach them that they're the same thing. They are not. Forgiving someone is a Greek word, aphiomi. It means to release them or let them go. The Greek word for ought is ites, and it means, it, it means the emotional yuck you have for that person. So, for example, if you were molested by your Uncle Bob when you were five, you can forgive Uncle Bob after you become a Christian, and you can say a forgiveness prayer and so on. But if you still have yucky feelings about Bob, they'll manifest when you think about them, talk to them, or get around them. You'll get this yuck sickening sensation about the person. See, you forgave them, but you still got the yuck factor. That yuck factor, Jesus called ought. And he said, when you come to the altar and bring God your gifts and you have ought, do not give God your gifts. He doesn't want them. Go try to fix the ought. And so I teach the person in the counseling session how to release ought. And there's a little button on my website, hardcorechristianity.com. There's a self-deliverance button on there at the top. And you can go through that process, one, two, three, four, five, and remove ought and spirits and diseases and sicknesses from your body. You just follow the process and they come right out. But if the person, let's say the person goes, well, wait a minute here. Wait a minute. Bob come in my bedroom for three years and he was fondling my genitals and rubbing my breasts and doing all this other horrible stuff. And then he went and got my sister and then he went to my neighbor and then he, then now he's in jail. I, I can't forget. I hate that guy. <clears throat> He's evil. Okay. Now you're in a situation where you can't get healed. You're done. God told you to forgive him and fix that ought. And you said no. When you tell God no, you're done. It's over. And if it's a permanent no and you won't listen to anything I say or what God says, then I have to move on to the next client because you cannot force people to get healed. 
And if you don't believe me, go to every church in America on Sunday morning, this Sunday, and look around the congregation, and you will see so many sick people, your, your jaw will hit the floor. They're everywhere. And if you don't believe me, go there, count them, check it out. Christians are sick, and it's routine for Christians to be sick. They're weak, they're cowards, they're failures, and they're sick. And it's as common as the nose on your face. And the reason all this happens is because of the exact things I've been going over today. Negative thoughts, demonic thoughts, spirits in the brain, spirits out of the brain, spirits in the body, spirits out of the body, no repentance, no knowledge. Boom, the devil wins. My mind is kind of like going in like multiple different directions because I'm sitting here thinking, how many Christians do I know that struggle in different areas? And Most of them, and why they're struggling is exactly what I said. I just told you exactly what's wrong with them. It's a pattern of thinking. It's a spirit putting negative thoughts or destructive thoughts in the person's mind. It's negative emotions from previous abuse and soul wounds, and it's unforgiveness and ought. You would be surprised. I mean, 60% of everything is related to that. Now, there are sometimes people are sick for different reasons. For example, witchcraft. When witchcraft comes into the scenario, all bets are off. Okay, there's no, there's no normal pattern to witchcraft. So what I just told you could be true and it may not be true. But let's exclude witchcraft uh, like your condition. It doesn't appear that, at least from what you told me, it doesn't appear there was witchcraft involved. That is related to exactly what I just went over and the scriptures I gave you. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, 2 Corinthians 10.4.5. There it is, as clear as a bell, how the devil controls the mind is how he controls the planet Earth. Correct? No, yeah. Well, yeah, you're, you're correct. I mean, I know, you know, he is the uh, prince of the power of the air. He has control of this earth, case in point. Look at all the crazy junk you see on the news. 100%. He controls 99% of the planet, and he only controls it by permission because at the resurrection of Christ, Satan lost his kingdom. Now, now he only rules when a Christian gives him permission to rule in their life. If you say to yourself, this thought came in, I hate Uncle Bob, he's a pervert, and the Lord Jesus told you, take that thought captive and kill it and pray for Bob, and you don't do it, you say, that's right, he's a perv, and here's what he did, bang, bang, bang. Hey, you just screwed yourself, and you just lived your life for Satan, because in Romans, Paul said, you are the master, you are the slave of the master you serve. So you have two choices as free will. You can hear the word of the Lord, or you can sit around and listen to the devil. And whoever you listen to determines the course of your life because the demons want your mind and the Holy Spirit wants it. And the person that gets it determines what happens to the rest of the person. You said something that kind of intrigued me. You said if there's witchcraft involved, then what you just said kind of goes out the window. What if a person hasn't been exposed to new age or witchcraft or something of that nature? Well, it depends. Now, uh, hopefully you're not exposed to it at all, but other people can put curses on other people and other people with witchcraft powers, demonic powers, are able to put curses on others. So I run into a lot of people that uh, get in a big fight at work, for example, and they don't know this other person has some kind of demonic witchcraft power, so they put a curse on them. 
or in childhood, another relative or a cousin or something will put a curse on them. And then the person starts to manifest that curse later in life. They have problems with relationships. They have problems with poverty. Uh, things don't go right. Uh, they do well for a while and then everything falls apart. Then they do well for a while and then boom, it falls apart again. They have money for a while, boom, then they're broke. Those are symptoms of witchcraft. The normal way of looking at it is altered because witchcraft is extremely unpredictable. And let's say you say, okay, you, you've done the research and you find out, okay, yeah, we're dealing with a witchcraft situation. How do you, is, is the way to get rid of it similar or how do you, how do you, how do you deal with that issue? Yeah, it's similar in some respects, but uh, we don't have enough time to go into that. That's a, a regular show in and of itself. But the key issue is, the key, one of the keys is, is, is Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. It says, you as a Christian are to do the opposite of a sinner. That's what the Bible teaches. We're opposites. And it says there, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and abuse you. In witchcraft, one of the first things to do is get the person to not only forgive the witch or the warlock that nailed them, but also to pray God's blessings on their life. And that'll start the curse crumbling at, at the root. Well, obviously, we're going to have to bring you back and kind of de delve, into, delve into that uh, uh, a little further. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah. So we're going to have to, we'll have to do like a, maybe a two-parter or something like that. But uh Mike, I really, really want to thank you for coming on the show and bringing up some of these issues. Well, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you need help or you need counseling, uh, hardcorechristianity.com. You send me an email, mike at hardcorechristianity.com. Be happy to help you. You can call the ministry line, 602-636-5800. God loves you and he cares about you and he wants to help you. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.